Welcome to the Fire and Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Sorrow. I believe in taking massive, inspired action from an awakened soul. This show is a weekly dose of spiritual principles, personal development, and success strategies for creating an epically aligned life. Here's to your wildest dreams coming true with less hustle, grit and grind, more flow, ease, and grace. I'm the founder of the Live Video Mastery Academy, a TV host, speaker, best-selling author, and proud fur mama, and I'll be sharing real talks with successful entrepreneurs, thought leaders, best-selling authors, spiritual luminaries, and high-performance experts in this unfiltered, transformational, and soul-centered podcast. Things are about to get real. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to Fire and Soul. Before we dive into this juicy, amazing conversation, it's a dream come true for me and you're going to love. I want to give you a little bit of a background on our guest today. Gina DeVee's journey from struggling psychotherapist who lived at home with her parents to globetrotting entrepreneur has led her to founding her multi-million dollar women's empowerment company, Divine Living. Divine Living is for the person who's excited about impacting the world, craves a spiritual connection, dares to be visible, and desires to fulfill their life's purpose. Gina is an author, speaker, and success coach. She has dedicated her career to helping clients connect spiritually, start businesses, create wealth, and live life to the fullest. Gina's mission is to uplift entrepreneurs through inspiring content, bold business trainings, and life-changing events. I'm going to give you all the ways in which you can connect with this amazing, beautiful queen at the end of the episode, guys, but please welcome Miss Gina DeVee to the show. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. I just want to share with my listeners how this came to be. I have many dear friends in the Tony Robbins environment, which of course now I know that that woke you up as well on many levels. There were so many things as I was reading your book, which you're going to get into in a moment, that I was just like, me too, me too, me too. The only thing I don't have yet is the king, but he's coming. I know it. So one of my dear friends, she was a platinum partner and we're in many trainings together. We just align on every level. She kept putting out all these stories with this book called The Audacity to Be Queen. And she's never done that. In the years that I've known her, she, I mean, maybe once, but not multiple times. I mean, she was just finding all these nuggets. So finally I was like, okay, really? Is it that good? She's like, game changer. And so I ordered it. I devoured it. Then I had to get it on Audible because I wanted to hear your voice. And then I reached out to you, Dina, on DM. I slid in there and I was like, well, you come on my podcast. So anyway, I just want to thank you. But I also want every single listener right now, just don't even hesitate. Go get the audacity to be queen, whether you pick it up on Audible or you pick it up, you know, on Amazon or whatever the link is, this will be the access point, I believe, to you living more in your feminine flow and achieving the life of your wildest, most fulfilling dreams. And Gina, you lay it all out for us in the most beautiful book. So first of all, thank you for taking the time to make a book that we can understand, relate to, and transform by. Oh my gosh, I have the chills. You, I need you to come move in with me and a daily dose of self-esteem there. Well, thank you so much. I'm, I'm so honored to be here. Uh, well, it's such a, such a fun conversation, especially because many of my listeners are female. They are conscious. They are spiritual. Some are moms and wives. Many are single. Many want to start and get something going online. So this is all just synergy all the way around. But of course, there's always that conflict of, 
I feel like if I want to start and do all these things that I want to do, which is part of your mission and mine too, by the way, it requires so much warrior archetype energy, which is masculine. And how do I, how do I even tap into my queen, much less own my queen? And how can I do that while also getting after my impact? And we're going to answer all those questions here because I don't believe in the hustle, grit and grind. And as soon as I let that go consciously, because I had to get radically honest about the fatigue and burnout, my business tripled. My life became more peaceful and calm. I can still call on all of that other stuff, but it's not leading the way. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to start there with something that you wrote at the very beginning of your book. And it says why I wrote this book and it's in your introduction. It's just a couple sentences, you guys. This is just going to give you sort of like an entry point to uh, Miss Gina DeVee. She says why I wrote this book. She says everyone from my friends and family to social media followers and clients are constantly asking me, what does it mean to be queen? How can I be more feminine? How would a queen handle this situation? How can I communicate to my beloved so that I'm heard? How do I know that that's my queenly intuition speaking? And when do I set powerful boundaries? This book answers all that and so much more. But I'd love to hear from you too. Now that you can reflect back and by gosh, your book launched in the middle of COVID. So hats off to you. Now, a couple months later, what is that answer of why you wrote this book? Because things evolve. Things things do evolve. Why why did I write the book? I don't know that the the reason I wrote the book changed as much as I had to practice what I preached sooner than I thought. You know, so much of the book, as you know, is you know it's happening for you, not to you. And this is you know I'm thrilled this is happening because, and so. I kind of thought that I had done my work by, first of all, the 20 years leading up to the book, writing the book. And now I was like, okay, here's this gift to go give to the world. Like, not like I'm done, but I think unconsciously somewhere I was like, okay, I've done my work. And then, as you said, my book came out March 3rd, uh, 2020. And I had a whole national and international book tour planned, which is like my favorite place to be is live in the room with people. And I was like, wow, I waited 20 years to write my first book. And it comes like I'm literally shut down. And I was like, like I could feel this wave of sadness. Like it was almost like it was a physical external entity start to like come towards me. And I was like, Gina, you have a choice right now to choose queen. And, it, you know, nowhere did you write I'm thrilled this is happening because, except during a global pandemic, you know, like nowhere did I say you are meant to live the epic life except with COVID-19. It's so I had to really dig in deep on my baby, on like the, the one thing that I didn't really want to surrender. So I did, and it works. So I can say that, you know, I'm thrilled my book tour got canceled because And I started to get the deeper lessons and jewels. Like I didn't want people to just buy the book. I wanted people to actually read it. And when were people reading more than when they're quarantined at home? So I'm like, okay, I'm thrilled this is happening because it didn't even dawn on me to do podcasts and the whole virtual space because I'm just such an old school in-person live event. Like that was my thing. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll do a virtual book tour. And it's like, with all due respect to my following and the events that would have been had, like, it's like nowhere would the outreach be what I've, you know, been so blessed to be welcomed into with the virtual scene. And we'll do one more. Like I'm throwing my book tour got canceled because 
I paid a publicist and I was going to be traveling all across the U S waking up at five o'clock in the morning to go do some morning show. And like, literally when I realized that, that even media was going virtual, I called my pub, I'm like, get me Chicago, get me Houston. What's going on in Cleveland? I like sitting here and I'm like not flying across the United States and doing all this media that way, but I've still gotten the media attention. So, you know, when you really do look for the queenly perspective, it will reveal itself to you. I love that. How you opened that up and you literally were faced with what would a queen do? Mm-hmm. Let me live my book right now. And then that portal gave you so many blessings and jewels. I love, I love how everything is like at the Royal kingdom and the jewels of you had more access, more media, right. Than you probably ever would have. And, and that is phenomenal. Now you'll do the physical book tour later. Is that what it is? We'll see. Who knows? Maybe you don't care to. I'm having a fun time in my living room right now. So we'll well, and you just got back from an epic road trip with your husband, Glenn, of yes. 10 years, by the way. Happy anniversary. Thank you. I want to read the dedication. This is when this book had me at hello. It wasn't that my friend Rhea had posted about it many times in her stories repeatedly. It was when I got it in my own hands. And I too, I just, I love Audible, but I really love a hardcover book in my hands. It's just like a friend, you know? It's been a long time. It does, doesn't it? It has like a good... Yeah. It's the right size. It's mm-hmm. the right weight. It, it just... I love everything about the logo. Yeah. And, and, and once, I, when, once I was finished reading it, I felt like it was a friend. And mm-hmm. I laid it on my heart. And it had been a long time. The last time I felt this way about a book, and I read fairly regularly, believe it or not, because most people don't these days. But the last book that really impacted me and opened me up was Love Warrior by Glennon Doyle, formerly known as Graham, right? That book that was a New York Times bestseller was like so profound. This is the next book that did the same thing to me. It just opened my heart. Anyway, the introduction, you guys, is for my king of a husband, Dr. Glenn A. Sisk, whose empowered masculinity and unconditional love cleared the path for me to be queen. Mm-hmm. What's it like 10 years later? We've been together 15 years, actually. And it is, uh, I'm glad that you read that. So he didn't know that was coming. Mm-hmm. He had seen the draft of the manuscript and I waited until we got like the physical copies and the look on his face when he opened it up. He, he didn't know. So what's it like 15 years later? He's the easiest part of my life. And that's just, I don't know how else to to say it he's we love doing life together we love the same things in life we're just really great companions and it's almost it's almost even hard to talk about him because it's like you, know, you can talk about the things that like challenge you or that you know like that like that you've had to really study but he's just the easiest part of my life that's so beautiful and you know i keep hearing that which makes me feel like my consciousness and awareness is also shifting pretty dramatically. You're about the fourth person just in this week that I respect, I admire, and that are married to the love of their life and say that very thing. It's the easiest part of my life. Accomplished female entrepreneurs. This Mm -hmm. is the easiest part. And I'm like, it really can be that way. But you've got to be in your queen more than not. And we're not perfect, right? So that's the one myth that I want to just ask you about is that it's not like this is a standard that you're expected to live 100% of the time. What happens when we fall back into the other archetype, which is a classic scenario for a lot of women, which is the princess. So I'd like to talk about that royal road of the difference between a a princess and, and a queen. And do you have to be one 
at all times. And when you're not, how do you get back? Kind of a loaded, diverse question. Yeah, yeah great, great question. First of all, how you do life is, is your own choice for, for every person. So what my definition of queen is, it's about being the, the, the best and it's the highest version of yourself. So do you have to be a queen at all times? No. And like, who wouldn't want to be the best and highest version of themselves at all times? So it does, for me, become quite the quest. And what I found is that it's habit developing. And when you do things that are in just such alignment to who you really are, and you make decisions from that place, and you speak from that place, and you behave from that place, that's when life does become easier. And so like, if we're still on the planet, we've got more lessons to learn. So of course, we're going to butt up to the areas and the ways in which we are any of the other archetypes, princess, paranoid, gangster, martyr, <laughs> roller coaster rider, saboteur, whatever. So that's what, you know, I think that's why we're on the planet. So probably if we aren't butting up to the, the others, we you know, might not still be here because we would have fulfilled our, our divine assignment. So I think it's more about this ongoing opportunity to reclaim all of the the true parts of ourselves. I love that. Now, does a true queen have to sit in meditation and prime for an hour a day? I mean, is she exercising seven days a week and eating, you know, celery juice for breakfast? I mean, like, you know what I mean? We live in LA. So there, there is that too, (laughs) especially in the personal development realm. The queen, she just, she can do whatever she wants as long as it feels aligned, right? Absolutely. It's about each queen really designing. It's like, you know, everybody has their own style and every queen needs to know what her own style is and where, what does she feel best and where does she feel glorious? What it's not is by living by someone else's standards. I remember I was um, on some panel with a health coach once and she was, she was talking about how sugar blocks manifestation. And when she has wine, it lowers her vibration. I was like, if I don't have wine, it lowers my vibration, you know? So it's like, you gotta do you. Like for me, when I'm not working out in the morning and I'm not drinking my celery juice, I'm not feeling my best. But if I'm also not participating in a great Chablis or Montrachet, like I'm also not feeling my best. So that's like, I, I pick my style and every queen deserves to really declare like what's her truth. Good. I love that. And and that's what I love more than anything about life right now is the ones who are awake, which is so many of my listeners, this beautiful community. It's like, you do you, I'll do me. And let's just not judge, right? It's like, this is the time that I believe in so many things that are happening with the pandemic and the, the racial injustices, there is a waking up. And so it's like, just stay in your own lane and be as loving as possible. Let go of the expectations, the rules and all the things. Mm-hmm. However, my friends listening, if you do want to step more into your queen and honor those powerful, empowered boundaries, not just set them, but actually honor them, then this is such a wonderful gateway. I wanted to move into a part of the book that stopped me in my tracks, and I probably listened to it on Audible three times over. I believe it's in the chapter or the part called The Feminine Mystery, which is my favorite chapter, by the way. Oh, so good. I was like, why is this one? It's just so many reasons why you guys just have to get the book. But you talk about the distinctions between being compliant, Mm -hmm. defiant, Mm -hmm. and when you are in alliance. And I'd love for you to just cliff notes, break those down Mm -hmm. so that 
my listeners can get a sense of, ooh, where do I land? And it doesn't mean you're one all the time, but predominantly we probably know where we fall. So yeah, could you break that down? And then I want to share a true story with you as I, as I had to listen back a few times. Super fun. Sure. So when we're little kids, we get conditioned on how to behave and what's going to get us more love and what's going to have us be safe and provided for whatever, whatever the basic needs are. And so based on however we grew up, we have gotten ourselves out of our truth. So we've gotten ourselves out of alliance and typically we conform and we either go into compliance, which is much of what I did became little miss perfect, super codependent, they had the disease to please. And what compliance is actually about, you know, you think that it's about telling other people what they want to hear and being so concerned about what others are going to say that you become this yes person. But what I discovered is it's a very manipulative way to live. Mm. Because what I, I was smart enough to do is I was smart enough to figure out what did I need to say Or what did I need to do to get someone to like me, approve of me, or accept me? Mm. So it was a very much a taking thing and it was very not giving, obviously all unconscious. So, but my main default mode was compliance because I needed people, other people's approval and acceptance to breathe. Swing over to the other side of the pendulum is defiance. So there's different characteristics, you know, for both compliance and defiance. But the real truth is like the defiant ones typically look like they're free and they're marching to the beat of their own drum and they're not going to be stuck in status quo or they're not going to do it like their mother or their father. They're not going to do what they're told to do. And so it looks like there's this level of freedom. They look like they're more in alliance, which they're not. Because what it is, is if you are in reaction to anything, versus really being in your own truth and really being in alliance, then it's two sides of the same coin where you you are still stuck and you are not in alliance. You are in that defiance versus really finding what your own truth is and what your own value system is. So as you were saying, most of us fall in one category or the other predominantly, but we can also, you know, I, Though I was mostly compliant, I could see certain ways that I was defiant as well. But just understanding that both mean we're hooked and neither of which has us actually be free in alliance. Mm, I love that. So when I was listening and reading, but really listening, and I, it was like definitely some compliance, a lot of defiance. I was fired and my boss, this is years ago, but his exact words were, you're so defiant. (laughs) So I was like, yeah, that's all there. But I have obviously shifted so much just the more that I wake up and the more that I've stepped into service and contribution and building my own impact. The only way that I could grow was by being in alliance, not only with the impact that I wanted to make, but I couldn't make the impact if I wasn't in alliance with my soul. Mm-hmm. And that's the way that I would describe it, which is not like, not unlike what you were saying, like going back to who I was before all of the behaviors, right? And just this true sense of ownership of joy and gratitude and expansion and full self-expression and zero attachment to anything. Like you just don't care. You just want to play and have fun. And I'm so grateful for that. But there was this little last section where it's like compliance, exhausted, defiant, competitive, alliance, capable. 
Do you know that it wasn't until 10 years ago when someone even told me that I was capable? I mean, my parents were always supportive, like you can do anything you want, but I didn't really know that I was capable of doing anything that I wanted. So that was on me. It wasn't on my parents, but it was a girlfriend of mine. She goes, you do know how capable you are, right? And that moment I was ready to receive it so I could hear it. But these distinctions for me, I mean, anybody at home, please go through the book. It's going to be page 50 and 51, where you can get the long extended list of the different characteristics. And again, there's not one over the other, but let's just say that you've been living more in compliance and defiance. How do we looking for not a quick fix? Cause there's no such thing, but how can we tap more back into that alliance? Maybe it's for the first time in our lives. Mm-hmm. Well, when you say there's no quick fix, that is true in the sense that you don't get to skip the steps and not do the work. However, freedom is a thought away. And so it doesn't have to take so long either. And that's a little bit where bending time and space comes in. But the, the way to get into alliance most quickly is through self-permission. Mm-hmm. So when you're, when you're getting out of the pendulum swing of like doing what other people want or not doing what they did, and it's just really deeply giving yourself permission to say what you want to say, not say what you don't want to say. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Really deep self-permission on how you do life and you make the rules, whether it comes to love or money or business or fame or whatever it is. So self-permission will give you the fastest path there. So beautiful. There's a question that you ask us to ask ourselves and you say it's probably the most important question and there's two follow-up steps, but if I recall correctly, because I can't find it in the very moment, I'm trying to look for it. And it's how good are you willing to let life get? Mm -hmm. I read that. That's just my, my, my brain anyway, my heart, my mind, all of it. But I thought, don't pretend like you know this or don't skip over this. Don't bypass it just because that's already the lane you're in. It's what you teach. It's what you cultivate. Really allow yourself to step into that in this new now moment, right? Because if you're into growth, which we are, you're different today than you might have been this morning or yesterday. I mean, you're on a new 21 day cleanse for goodness sake, right? So we have different clarity, different access. So I was like, ah, what would it look like if it could even get bigger than right now? I love to ask you that. How good are you willing to let life get from this moment? Your book's out, you're happily married, you have a thriving online, multi-million dollar impact in the world with beautiful, conscious female entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. How willing are you to let it get as big and good as you want it to be? So beautiful that you've asked that question because I think that for all of us, you know, this has really been the great awakening, right? You know, we've, we've all been asking ourselves, what do I really want? What am I doing? What's my life about? And there have been some dreams of mine that I have, well, there's a couple of things. One, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. There's been something I've wanted to do for a good six months now that I, I was dabbling, oh, but will it really work for me? And then there's some other dreams that I've had for well over a decade and where I had psychologically gotten lazy and shelved them. I tried a few things that like led in that direction and they were some of my overtly biggest career fails. And so the, let's see, what would it be? I don't know if it's the martyr within or the saboteur was like, well, 
you, you, you even started to go in that direction and you're still paying for that now. So that's just not meant for you. Kind of like stay in the lanes that you know that work. And so a lot of what I also teach about in the book is like, don't make something mean something that the universe never intended. I'm happy to share specifically. So a few years ago, I had a luxury magazine. It was an online magazine. And it's also on my website, so anyone can go see it there. And it was like my biggest joy. Like, do what you love and the money will come. Well, not so, this was like, do what you love and you might almost go bankrupt. Financially, it was a seven-figure fail. Emotionally and personally, it was like all-time high. I had the best time doing it. So anyways, the point is, it, it didn't become profitable. And I had to shut it down. And I, I made it mean so many things that I don't think the universe intended. I let it be such a huge hit to my self-esteem. I made it say like, well, I can make money with business and personal development stuff, but not with the lifestyle category. And I better just pay off these bills and, and hunker down. And like, like, it just made it mean all these things that I haven't probably deeply enough investigated. Like, what was it really supposed to mean? And what is the universe saying? And what am I really meant for? Because the desires haven't gone away. Mm. And I know enough to know that it's like, if the desire had left, then fine. But it's more about I've shelved it. And if I were to actually give it time and attention, would have to admit, no, I actually do desire it. But I'm telling myself I don't because I don't really think it will work out. And I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to do the same thing that didn't work out last time. So I think that in the terms of like, how good am I willing to let life get is having the courage to relook at some of those dreams, to reevaluate what were the lessons, but lessons I can handle. But when I go as far as to make them mean something that they don't, then you got to undo the meaning and you got to reprogram it. So it's a lot of work, but I think that's something that I'm just now starting to explore again in the realm of how good am I willing to let life get? That's awesome answer. Thank you for that. Is that the thing that you said when the student is ready, the teacher will appear or is that something different? Oh, no, that was, that was different. That's a, that's a membership site. So here's some of my personal edge and your listeners can, you know, make it applicable to them. So from very on, I was very high touch, low tech. So I was very much in, I, I created belief systems that I could sell high-end packages and I did. And I was, you know, my first package was like 6,000 and then up to hundred thousand and 50,000 everywhere in between. And like, I had complete faith in that. What I didn't cultivate a belief system around were the masses. And so I, I somehow formed this identity again, un- unconsciously like, Oh, I, I can sell six figure packets, a hundred thousand dollar packages. That's how I crossed uh, seven figures the first time as I sold $1,200,000 packages. It made 1.2 million on 12 clients and a 5,000 person list. To me, that was, it was a great honor, but it was also no big deal career wise because I believed I could. So it was actually pretty easy. And it, and it was that. Then I would start to look at like, I'm making great money. I love what I'm doing. I love my clients, but I'm not having the level of impact that I really desire because I've got this like, luxury brand of personal development that I'm hanging out with over here. And so that's part of why I wanted to write the book is that so people that didn't weren't necessarily paying me five and six figures could still get these stories and this information and this level of transformation in a, at a $27 price point. And then I started to take a look at friends of mine who had membership sites that had like 5,000 people in them 
at 35 bucks a month or whatever. And at first I was like, I would, it just like came out. I could never do that. Like I had no problem saying, I know I can sell six, six figure packages all day long, but the programming was, wasn't that I worked with the masses or appealed to the masses or whatever the story was. So when I was introduced to uh, my friend, Natalie, Alice of Boss Babes, you know, it was like, she's famous for her 5,000, you know, for, or however many at this point are in there. And that was the, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. So it was more of like a, yes, cultivating the belief and then really giving myself permission of like, what would mine look like? I love it. And you know what I love too? I don't know if it's because I'm a newer entrepreneur, but both those answers were business. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is there a personal answer for you of how willing well, no. How good are you willing to let life get? I do give a lot of time and attention to those areas. So they're like, I love where I live. I Where are you nowadays? Because you were in Malibu and then you were somewhere else. I was yeah, trying to keep up in the book and you're like, nope, I've moved. <laughs> All right. So, you know, like I'm literally like staring at the ocean from my office. So the personal life is pretty good. I think the thing is for me, what's up most right now, what you mentioned earlier is my 21 day cleanse and detox. Like I had gotten in like, for me, like the best shape ever or in a long time before the book tour. Cause I was like, bought all these cute clothes, whitened my teeth, lost 12 pounds, like toned. I was like, you know, ready for it. And then pandemic hit and I just gave myself so both my husband and I went to the Cordon Bleu so we love to cook and it was like we just full-on did it was like taco Tuesday every night of the week and it was like <laughs> six o'clock came around you want a cocktail sure like does today end in why like I mean it was just and now I'm like okay I I got the pandemic pounds here so for me personally it's about I had actually really enjoyed waking up super early, doing my reading, working out, like it got to a very pleasurable place. So I'm looking to reactivate those habits. Girl, you have a sister on the path. I did not realize that I eat like a linebacker in a way that you cannot eat when you can't go to Soul Cycle or hike five, six days a week. So when the pandemic hit and everything shut down, within two months, I had put on 10 pounds. And then it was like, okay, fasted for like three days, took off like five, which is, you know, not even real. And I was like, yes, 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 I'm getting it back. Anyway, and so then they opened up SoulCycle, as you probably know, a week and a half ago. And I was like, back in, couldn't barely do it. Couldn't fit into any of my lemon. Like it was so, but I was like, but I'm in, it doesn't matter. I'm in, I'm getting back on track. I'm getting quarantine lean. And, uh, and now they've closed everything down again. And I'm like, shoot, you know, so just trying to be mindful of all of it. But even that, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, your book was so helpful for me in the time when I realized that I had to buy a new pair of jeans because every pair of jeans in my closet, which I had two to three sizes already, right? Just as a woman, plus let's face it, every designer is different. But I had to buy like big girl jeans, like jeans that I could actually fit into. And I tried to put in, so I was like, okay, good. At least you don't have to stress but I tried putting those on this morning and they didn't even fit. So, but I was like, all right, what would a queen do about this situation? And how would she feel about this? She wouldn't let it rock her world. There would be no big massive reaction and no shaming, no blaming, no like guilt. And the saboteur wouldn't come on. It's like, yeah, baby, you ate your feelings these past (laughs) months. 
It's okay. Because you know what was so cool, Tina, is that when I did go into Soul Cycle, so my, I don't know if it would be compliant or defiant. Who knows? Maybe it's another archetype, but I didn't even want to go back into Soul Cycle when they open because I thought they're all going to be able to see. Hmm. I've clearly gained 10 to 12 pounds. Mm-hmm. Now that thought came and went so fast. I was like, whoa, hold on a second. And what was cool is that when I got there, we all looked the same. None of us looked like who we did, you know, March 18th. And so there was comfort in that. Not that I needed that, but the ultimate takeaway, and I know it's reading this book and really living this life from the inside out is love yourself exactly as you are. It's okay, right? We're all going through this pandemic. It's bringing up a lot of stuff. The, the death of George Floyd, there's a lot of stuff that's so unconscious. There's a healing that's happening. So heal thyself first, right? Love yourself so much right now. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to have that haagen for breakfast, it's okay. <laughs> if you're going to order Shake Shack at 10 p.m. from Postmates, that's okay too sometimes. It's all good. Yeah, love yourself, yes. And raise your standards. And, yeah. You know, I think it's, we let ourselves get off. I was, uh, I don't know, it was being interviewed in a different environment. And um, there was a woman that was like, kind of talking about the similar subject. And when I was talking like this, she's like, isn't that diet culture? And I was like, no, it's about us doing things that have us feel our best. And when we like make it okay, that we are indulging in activity or thoughts or whatever it is that isn't of highest service, then, you know, a queen can acknowledge that too. Like without going into shaming. It's like, oh, you know, like noticing your desire to call Shake Shack at 10 o'clock at night. How can it be in service to you? Like what, what is it you're really craving? Like what, what do you really want? And really being there for yourself and helping you get to a place where you can guide yourself to a different choice because of the short lived joy that comes with that. Yeah. Beautiful. I love that. Raise your standards, get a new standard, right? I love that so much. There are a lot of things that you shared throughout the book where it was just, again, like popcorn was going off like, ah, yes, yes, yes. Either I had already experienced it or I had been turned on to that, or that was also part of, you know, my life story Obviously, not every little detail, but there are so many cool nuggets. One of the ones that I wanted to share is there's a lot of single ladies that listen to my podcast. And you read a book from, she's actually a friend of mine, Catherine Woodward Thomas, Calling in the One. You guys, I'm sure you all have it anyway. But when you read that book, I want to talk about how that linked up to then you've been able to recognize the most unexpected man who would then become your king. I love that story so much. And it also then tied into the ultimate story of the book, which is the story of Queen Esther. It's kind of a loaded question, but I know you can handle it because you're a queen. But I'd like to just talk about how that book impacted you, how it woke you up in a way where you could own that part of yourself that would be worthy, talking about having a higher standard, Mm -hmm. right, for yourself and for your desires, that you could draw on this man that even though he didn't look like or represent on any level, lived in a different state, for goodness sake. He was of the state that you were trying to escape. I mean, there's just so many cool parts to the story of how that man pursued you in the way that was in such ease and grace. He was, he was an empowered masculine man. But anyway, so all my listeners are going to pick up the book, no doubt. I wish I could buy all of you the book, but um, I'd love to just hear your two cents on that story live. Yes. So, you know, I think it takes a village to make a queen. 
(laughs) Catherine. So I I was a private client of hers back in the day. So I had the, the great pleasure of her vast wisdom. I was so unconscious in the area of relationship. I was, and, and whatever I was conscious to that I thought was the right way there is, is that in relationship would have gotten me the exact opposite of what I was looking to attract. I was chasing the local loser rock stars of Detroit. And (laughs) what I didn't realize until I was working with Catherine is that I was trying to marry who I actually wanted to become. Mm. I thought like I was so lit up by them being on stage and them being the rock star and them being creative and them being the performers. And I was so invisible to myself that I didn't ever see that for me. And the closest I knew how to get to that level of euphoria was to date it and then try to marry it versus become it. Mm -hmm. And so when I realized that I like the last thing I personally would want is to be the wife of a rock star. (laughs) The the last thing I want to do is follow some guy to his gigs and be there for his career and his show and have my life revolve around that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It just wasn't my destiny. Yes, I too was told I can do anything I want. I can be anyone I want to be. But I never got the message that I could be a rock star. And, and a rock star in a way that would actually be that to me. So working, anyways, working with Catherine made me realize I want a guy. I want to be on stage. I want a guy to come to my gigs. I want to perform. I want that. That's what I want to do. And as soon as I was able to really claim that for myself, that's part of what had me step into queenhood. When was that, Gina? Just so we can look at this sort of like chronologically. Probably early 2000s. Early so 2000s. So like 18 years ago? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. A couple of years before you met Glenn at your workshop. Yes. Whole nother story. Yes. At the all women's workshop. Yeah. um so that was one piece the next thing was so when I started when I was so confused by men and I just it was it was such a painful experience for me it was so mysterious I couldn't attract a guy to, to save my life I just felt so invisible so I started studying men I was like who are these creatures that like I wanted to be with so I started studying basically the empowered masculinity, I just, you know, would read Iron John and Fire in the Belly and all, all kind of like the classic empowered masculine works. And that's when it really, I, I started to get like, men are very simple creatures. And I, 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 I got it. But what really freaked me out was that the only rightful partner to a king was a queen. Yeah. And that's when I really knew I knew nothing about queenhood. So I I tailed it over into all things feminine energy. Back to Catherine Woodward Thomas and her book, Calling in the One, and really being able to let myself be pursued and understand what attractive energy the feminine is. Voila. That is so beautiful. The only true rightful partner to a king is a queen. Mm-hmm. The nugget that you said, and you said it twice, that really stands out because I could so resonate with the types of men that I used to be attracted to is I was attracted to what I didn't create for myself. Mm-hmm. And once I learned how to become that, then I was no longer attracted to that. I used to be attracted to men who had wealth and who could, you know, give me the private plane and the, you know, five-star hotels anywhere in the world and, you know, 
private wine that was $70,000 a bottle with your private chef of Wolfgang Puck. So this was what I was attracted to because like you, I love luxury as well. I'm also a very simple West Coaster who lives in flip-flops a lot of the time as well. There's that dichotomy, which I always embrace. But when I started to generate my own lifestyle of my own dreams, I realized like I can now go after a true king, regardless of what he has. I know he'll be driven. He will produce. He will provide at the level of what he's created in his own kingdom. But I don't have to rely on him to give me what I can now give myself mm-hmm. and change the game. Mm-hmm. And, and that is, there are so many people listening. I know it's, and you know, one of the top Google searches on zoom during this pandemic is, can you get a divorce on zoom? And so, yes, that's a stat top five. It was for weeks in a row. Yeah. Right. And so there's just so many people listening that they're trapped. They feel like they're trapped. I love because they're in a marriage and maybe she's a stay at home mom And she doesn't provide, right? She doesn't have any income. So she doesn't feel like she can leave. And yet I loved what you said at the top of this conversation. Freedom is a thought away. Mm -hmm. And it really is. I mean, when we can learn to embrace that uncertainty, a queen knows she's going to flow through that because she knows herself. Yes. She knows herself and she knows source and the miracle is always available. This is where I was really hoping that we would wrap beautiful segues because at the core of, of the audacity to be queen. It is all spirituality, mm-hmm. you know, all relationships, all connections, all business partnerships, all business growth, all owning your queen. It's all spiritual because it's not even you. It's tapping into the divine most high. Mm-hmm. And that is what just coming up. It just kept coming up as a theme. So for those who are newer to that concept, not so many of my show, but let's just give them like another new level mm-hmm. of being able to really access that source, infinite power within each and every one of us. Mm -hmm. When you get so clear that the epic life is meant for you and what even this, the beginning places of what that next level is, the universe is going to deliver something so much bigger, so much more grand, so much more spectacular. And there's an element of certainty that comes with it. Knowing that you have access to the infinite supply of the universe. So there's infinite possibility. There's infinite opportunity. There's infinite financial abundance. The right people already exist. So it's really about, I think probably why you love chapter three so much is it's really about getting great at receiving, getting great at receiving the ability to bend time and space, getting great at receiving the miracle, getting great at receiving how good are you willing to let your life get and really letting it all in. It's why we came here. It's what we're here for. There's nothing selfish about it. And there's actually everything contributory about it. Because when you are living your epic life, you are shining your light. You're giving of your gifts and talents. That's really what we came here for. So beautiful. Thank you for saying that. And then it becomes this co-collaborative creation with Source. Mm -hmm. We feel like this epic life that can feel in the beginning so far-fetched that you're not even having the effort, right? Like you Mm -hmm. said, you learn how to receive versus giving and gritting and forcing. You just Mm -hmm. allow. And it's so beautiful. But since you brought up certainty, you brought up actually the other chapter that I listened to at least three times as well, chapter 12. 
the sexiness of certainty. You guys, let me just read this really quickly. I know we're going a little over, but this is just, it's so good. We could just go over this whole book together and it will never get old. You start with queens, of course, have confidence, but certainty is a whole nother realm of power. This high vibrational state of being can be likened to an unwavering faith. It's a feminine quality to have a clear vision for what does not currently exist and a deep knowing that in the spiritual realm, it is already done. Mm -hmm. And so it is, baby. And so it is. So for those of you truly who are wanting to have that audacious desire to be queen, the unapologetic art of dreaming big and manifesting your most fabulous, I would say, because you've said it so many times, epically aligned life, you got to pick up the book. Make sure that you visit Gina on all of her social. I'll make sure I put them in the show notes, but Instagram is a great place to start. I loved what you shared. I think it was yesterday, Gina. And it it inspired me to think about sharing in this way too, because I get stuck on social. I don't even want to post like ever. It's a big thing for me. I'm whatever. I try to embrace it. And then when I do it, it's only about enrollment, right? Because I do the larger scale programs, like you're saying you're stepping into. And so I'm like, ah, oh, unless I have a card open, I don't even want to go on, which is the worst, but it works. <laughs> it's been working so far, but you know, when you go to the next step. And so, but I loved how you shared, like, you know, you used to be caught in this little trap of that you should only be talking about personal development and spirituality, but you really are passionate about luxury and fashion and travel and food and all these things that light you up as well. And so I was like, yes, girl. <laughs> yes, queen. Mm-hmm. And it was attracting more people like you, like-hearted, like-minded. And so, in other words, be you, be all and own it. Yes, yes, yes. I love it. Well, thank you again. Oh, one final question for you that I ask all my listeners. How would you define an awakened soul? Mm, I believe that woman who is really focused on going for her epic life, whatever season of it she's in, But to just be eyes wide open, antenna up, just to have such an awakened soul that she knows that whatever she's meant to manifest or whoever she's meant to manifest next, it's absolutely happening. And she's just like fully open and available to receive at every level. So good. Sexiness of certainty. Mm -hmm. An awakened soul. I just made a soulmates, my friend. Thank you very much for coming on and sharing your whole heart with us. I so appreciate your time today, Gina. Oh, it was so much fun. Thank you for having me. Thanks for spreading the love and um, really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Fire and Soul podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And of course, if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at fireandsoulpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.